Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Fastamai and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and today we're celebrating our 100th episode with some rather special guests, namely television presenter Anita Rani, conductor Matthew Freeman and author Michael Rosen. If you have anything creative you'd like to share or come along and talk about, email spotlight at manxradio.com and if you miss anything today, you can listen again or subscribe to the show as a podcast via iTunes, Google and Spotify. You'll also find the Spotlight blog on the Manx Radio website. We have a lot to look forward to in today's show and we're joined first by performer and Kodai music teacher Krista McCartney. So, Krista, it's lovely to have you back. You've been very busy since we last saw you. Um, You've brought with you a a copy of your album. I have, yes. Isn't it a beautiful picture on the cover? Yeah, Julia Ashby Smythe, no less. This is a project which has been in the works for for over a year now. How does it feel to finally have the physical copy in your hands? It's wonderful because when I was making it, um, I had... It was not my intention to to make an album that I would put out in the shops. I, I wanted to express just the joy I had of coming home because I'd been living in Switzerland, which everything was beautiful and it was lovely, but it was missing that Manx magic. And when I got home and, and I found that again and, and all the pieces just came together. So I know Julia anyway, we 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 have there's a house in Aganish that she used to rent and then I used to rent so we have that connection so when when she we're talking about all the the fairy magic that's there then then we know what we're talking about so um yeah so I came back and I was talking to Julia who's a friend of mine very lovely lady and and she'd made this sketch and she did the sketch and then I bought the picture and then I was doing my tunes and I was talking to Jip Hope again and I said well let's just come and see what we can do so I got there and then because it wasn't supposed to be just an album of song 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 but just experimentation I just went maybe for a couple of hours every other week or so and we put things together and in the end we just loved it so it so Julia's picture and the work I did with Jip and when we put it all together um, but we couldn't separate it because it had been such a big journey. So actually, there's one track that goes through 15 songs. It's like a magical concept. Because I was going to say, there are a lot of tunes in there that we'll recognise as being um, Manx folk tunes and, and uh, songs. But you you say about your album, if you haven't fallen asleep by the end of it, then, then you haven't done your job. It's a very soothing, um, ethereal journey. Absolutely. Yes, it is a journey. And it, so it starts off, it's called She... So she obviously is female, but it also means um, peace. And it is also the word for for themselves, for the other folk. So it encapsulates all of that. So um, it starts off with um, a Pagicolum Kilia, which is the prayer of St. Columba, which is just asking for peace on everybody. And that's my invocation to the start of the album. And to me, so... Um, when I came back there, there was a, a lot of emotional things going on. It was a way of me saying to myself, calm down, everything is fine. So there's there's a long opening invocation asking for peace. And then there are songs that connect to the Glen. 
And um, I went round with my son, William McCartney, who's also a DJ, so has the recording equipment. And we went round and we recorded lots of the sounds of the Isle of Man, specifically Agnish. So all the birdsong, all the water, that's all local. And then we meshed it in. So there's a few songs talking about being in the Glen. And then um, because Glens aren't all of the Isle of Man, we also then did mountains. We did sea, just collections of songs all going in together and they they mesh so you walk out of the glen and their footsteps walking out of the glen and they turn into the rowing boat sounds of the going out to sea and then um, the sound of the sea turns into a wind that then turns into being on the mountain so it's a journey through the isle of man really wow so it's sort of an hour-long soundscape it's It's an hour-long soundscape the isle of man um, and it's all in gaelic so that's another way that you can just relax and let it all wash over you. That's an, another reason I think it's quite so meditative. Performing something where you're singing and playing the harp, I can imagine that. I don't know, is it like patting your head and rubbing your tummy? Because um, <laughs> they're, they're quite complex pieces. Um, yes, that that is a skill that, that needs to be learned. Some of them were taken down like that. Sometimes we would just do one take, um, and then add things in afterwards. So that's where Gippo is the master. You know, he would say, oh, we, let's see if we can add things to that. Or let's just do the harp bit separately here. Um, and um, let's do the speaking bit here. Sometimes a lot of it's spoken, actually. So I would do the speaking and then I'd play the harp and put it on afterwards. So, yes, lots so, of different ways of putting it together. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of a collaborative process in a sense because Jip was so um, so involved in the, in, in the sort of structure of the album. Yes, absolutely. So it was never a case of me coming and he, him just doing the recording. We would talk about it and, and we would see what we liked about it. We did lots of little takes and things. We'd see what we liked about it. And sometimes he'd go, oh, do you know what? We'll loop that. Or maybe we can echo that. Or maybe it can lead to this. So, so it was a full collaborative between the three of us, Julia and Jip and me. And we worked on this together. putting together this album you've also been up to all sorts of other exciting activities uh, studying for your PhD naming one but uh, you also have you, you sing with a choir you conduct a choir um, with your Kodai training tell us a little bit about the kind of adventures you've been up to since we spoke to you last Oh, my choir is is amazing. So um, there is very small choir. It was set up with the Youth Arts Centre because there is an exchange programme to actually the town where I studied, Kodai, in Keshkamet. And it was just such an amazing coincidence that I was speaking to Fiona from the Arts Centre and, and I said, well, I have to be part of this. So we set up a choir so that Every two years we go there for an exchange programme. We went last year, this year, that they're, they're coming back. And, and I'm really lucky. There's actually only 
six or seven members of the where there was seven but one is leaving soon so six members of the choir but they are all really good yeah so they're aged between 13 and 18 so um and it's wonderful so we're hoping two of them are austrian we're hoping to go to austria this year um we're entering the guild where we think that what we want to do is just specialize in manx music and concert programs and actually become a little concert choir and travel around so but we are as we are still very small we don't want to grow to be too big but if there are peeps out there that would like to join us on this big adventure that are that age group then yes please do come it's on um, at the youth arts center five thirty on a saturday until seven if people wanted to get involved would they have to be studying music already or would you be open to including people who who aren't who haven't done much music before is it something that people oh, would that's need to... that's my job that's as a, a um, kodai conductor that i train them so um rather than going in i know a lot of choirs will go in and then they'd have a quick warm-up and then they will go through the pieces but I do it very differently. So we have an hour and a half and we spend practically the first hour on warming up and training the voices and learning to sight read and do those things. And then, then we learn the pieces. And actually it's quick that way because we're all geared up and ready to go. So yes, no no experience, but you know, be prepared to practice hard and, and you need to be available because we will be taking it forward in the next couple of years and, and be going to competitions and things. And we saw you had a very successful uh, trip last summer. Yes, yes, to Hungary. Yes, that was wonderful. Yeah, that was wonderful. And we're really looking forward to having the Hungarian families that we stayed with come back and stay with us this July. It was for a festival, was it? Was it for a festival? It's called a Chipero Festival. So it was set up at the end, um, well, when the wall came down, because Hungary was always an, an Eastern Bloc country, and they wanted to make sure that, they then had the ability to travel to other countries and make friends and experience things. So they set up this cultural festival. It's not just choirs, any sort of culture. And um, people come from all over the world and they have 10, 15 minutes on stage to perform something from their country. So it's an opportunity to be involved in something much bigger as well. It's wonderful. The Chipero Festival is absolutely wonderful. And the, the choir had the most marvellous time do get in touch if you're interested in being part of this choir um, but just jumping back to your CD where can people get hold of it? You can buy the album from the heritage shops from the lexicon from the bridge bookshop and mostly Manx um, in Laxey and also in Douglas you can buy it online as well Cred hor the store Malomakin Tegumi Nachdurmi Sikur A down, down the Ich 
have a quick plug to make as Ramsey Music Society welcomes the superb Russian international concert pianist Yulia Chaplina to Ramsey Grammar School. The concert takes place in the West Building next Monday, February the 18th, and it'll be a recital of music by Rachmaninov, Tchaikovsky and Prokofiev. The concert starts at half past seven and Morris Powell, who you'll know from Thursday nights, A Little Light Music, says it's absolutely not to be missed. A wonderful, full-bloodedly romantic programme and a rare opportunity to hear such an artiste in the north. How about that then? So pop along to the West Building of Ramsey Grammar School next Monday, the 18th of February at half past seven. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now, how often would you say you read stories to your children? How confident would you be with making one up as you go along? Children's author Michael Rosen is our next guest today, and he has some rather surprising statistics on the subject. You'll most likely know him as the author of We're Going on a Bear Hunt, and he has a few ideas on how you can make sharing stories easier and less intimidating. Yes, that's right. This is some research done by the storytelling game uh, Rory Story Cubes, and they've found indeed that 54% of parents admit they don't read to their primary school age children stories every night. One in five parents admit they find it impossible to tell their story, tell their children's stories off the top of their heads. So, uh, yeah, this, these are sad areas to think about, aren't they, of children not hearing stories read by their parents. Maybe that includes their grandparents, I don't know. Um, and then also the idea that um, parents are thinking, oh, I can't tell my child a story, I'm, I'm a bit nervous. Or uh, maybe, maybe it, uh, they, f- they feel it gets in the way. Yes, there's another bit of the research that says a fifth of parents claim that modern life gets in the way of story time and you think what does that mean was it they're on the phone are they or are they sending emails or what is it that gets in the way of sharing stories with your children watching you tell your stories and um, your, perform your poetry there's a real art to it and I suppose that kind of magic that you bring to these stories it, it's it's very inspiring what what kind of advice would you give to anyone who's sort of struggling with feeling a little I don't know getting a bit of stage fright almost well, for starters, I'd hate to think that my way of storytelling uh, in, uh, put people off and they thought, oh, well, I can't do it like he does. That that would make me very sad because we all tell stories. You know, when we go home at night, we tell the people we live with what happened on the trains and what we saw and how somebody told a story about how they're in trouble in their relationships or whatever. And we all tell stories like that every day. All you have to do when you're with children is hit the same 
tone, you just start talking about things that happen. Now, as you start talking about things that happen, you can tell it for real or you can start introducing other elements, something a bit nutty, something a bit weird. So you might start off with saying, oh, well, the train was a bit late. And then you go, well, why was it late? Well, obviously, because a dragon got stuck on the railway line. So instead of it being the usual thing about signal failure, right, you start inventing something else. Or if there was, you got stuck at the airport because of uh, snowstorms or something like that, you can say, well, it got stuck at the airport because... And then you come up with another story about how the aeroplane was melting. Um, and it just turned into some rather strange pink putty. And so we couldn't get on the plane because it was just this great big ball of pink putty. And then we all dived in and we rolled it up into little balls and then threw it at each other. So you can just turn the thing that's going on into something else. And then once your kid is, you'll see the sort of laughter and the fun that you have with it. Or it could be sad things. Um, and and then you can see the incredible pleasure and the trust that your children have in you and the belief they have in you because this is what we do when we tell each other stories we're, we're like almost like creatures with our eyes shut reaching out in the dark and then finding that we trust each other that's a beautiful way to put it um and in fact rory story cubes um are really helping they found are a way for people to to sort of i don't know break the ice with storytelling well, it's simple, isn't it? You just throw some dice and up pop on the face of the dice. It might be a castle or it might be just a blank speech bubble or it might be a funny face, a sad face. It might be a bee in there or a sheep. And then all you've got to do is spin a yarn, right? And, of course, you can throw the cubes. You play any rules you like. You throw the cubes whenever you want. Um, but you throw it at the beginning, throw it halfway through. It's entirely up to you. And you just find mad connections between them. So if you've got a sheep and a castle and a cat, well, I'm sure anybody listening to this could think of a story, couldn't they? Of a sheep, a castle and a cat. Once upon a time, there was this castle. And in the castle, there was, there was who should we have? Should we have a human as a king or should we have a rat? Yeah, rat. King rat. And then King rat said, I have heard bad things are going on in my kingdom. I have heard that. And then away you go, you see. Um, and then suddenly, they roll the cubes, a clock comes up. The clock struck five, and the king rat said, at five o'clock, everybody in my country. And then you go on like that, you see. And so you just simply take the pictures on the dice and start spinning it around. And we've all got stories in our heads. We've always got, you see, I started being a kind of tyrannical king. Well, you know, how many stories have we read where there have been tyrannical kings or it could be one of those funny kings who doesn't really know what's going on it says i need some help is anyone here who'll give me some help Meh. i'm the sheep Meh. i can help you really oh that's very good what can you help me with well i know where you can get some really good grass <laughs> yes look just around here by the river <laughs> and there we are you see you're away spotlight brought to you by the isle of man arts council and finally today, we join television presenter Anita Rani and world-renowned conductor Matthew Freeman, who will be leading the 13-date arena tour of Blue Planet 2 live in concert. I asked Anita if she could tell us what's in store. I can indeed, Sarah. I mean, this is bringing you some of the highlights, the best bits from that brilliant TV series that we all watched and fell in love with um, on a giant screen at a, in an arena near you. Top quality, 4K, Ultra HD LED, if that means anything to anybody. Uh, the best sound system. And then this is what it's all about. You will hear that phenomenal Hans Zimmer soundtrack live brought to you by an 80 piece orchestra and the phenomenal matthew freeman i mean 
Wow. I know, it's mind-blowing really, even just to think about. And I've heard that um, Hans Zimmer um, composed some pieces specifically for this tour and uses the un- the orchestra in rather unusual way. Um, Matthew, how was it conducting the orchestra with, uh, with this unusual piece, using the orchestra in unusual ways? Well, I've just got back from Prague, actually, rehearsing with the orchestra, and the first moment you hear the music live is, of course, very exciting. And I think we all felt it as we played through it, it just captures and evokes so wonderfully the world that we're seeing for the first time in those ocean depths. Um, the colours, you know, any film composer takes enormous time to make sure that what they write accompanies correctly and appropriately and enhances emotionally the visual. And I think Hans and his team certainly have done that. And the imagery as well, it must be incredible to be able to see it in such high definition. Um, Are there any sneaky previews you can give us of of what animals we might be able to see on screen? Oh, well, we don't want to give too much away, obviously. But, I mean, all the the best bits. Everyone's got their favourite moments from Blue Planet 2. I mean, who can forget surfing dolphins? That is going to be wonderful to watch on a giant screen. For me, the best bit about the surfing dolphins, I think it's the same for everybody when we watched it for the first time. You get swept away because everyone loves a dolphin. And then you find out that the the only reason we can think they do it is just for, for the fun of it. And then you fall in love with them even more. Um, there's a beautiful puffin scene. I mean, this is going to be pure entertainment but we will honestly I I mean obviously none of us know because we've not done it yet but we had a rehearsal a few weeks ago and we watched the uh, footage and we heard the music together for the first time certainly for me for the first time and the opening bars of music made me feel emotional like spine tingling stuff so the idea that this is going to happen in a huge arena setting with thousands of people and we're all going to go on this journey underwater together is it's going to be something we'll never forget quite magical and it's something we all share that we've Nita and I have talked about the sharing element of it all with the orchestra and the audience and Anita and myself we are sharing this um, because we feel so passionately about where the Blue Planet and the Planet Earth programs have led us Mm -hmm. to and this awareness of our world our environment our responsibility for it has taken us by surprise I don't think anybody expected we'll be talking about it in the way that we are Mm. and the people have taken the action that they've been taking. Absolutely. And, you know, and the most important message is that it's like as a TV show, it's cross-generational. And when you capture the hearts of children, especially with a message that's so important, that's something they'll have with them for the rest of their lives. It delivers that message so beautifully. It it sort of um, strikes an emotional response in all of us and it does catch children um, very young and get them really sort of passionate about the environment and the animals. Um, This is something that we can can bring our children along to as well, isn't it, the concept? Oh, yeah, definitely. Bring the kids, bring granny, bring everybody. I don't know if dogs are allowed. Oh, no, that's country file. Um, (laughs) But it is one of those rare concerts that you can actually come to and every single member of the family can enjoy in their own way. We all take away the same thing, which is just the wonder and our connection with nature and just a reawakening of our responsibility for nature and our part in it and how we use it and how we respect it. I think that's the big one.
And that's some of the glorious music composed especially for the tour. More information can be found, as ever, on the Spotlight blog. And that's all we have time for this week. Thank you for joining us for 100 episodes of Spotlight. I'll be back next Wednesday at half past five. But in the meantime, download or subscribe to the show as a podcast via iTunes, Google and Spotify to make sure you don't miss out on anything. Have a lovely creative week. Sign you.